0: Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. If you missed it, my name is Michael, part of the team. And if you are here for the first time or if you missed it last week, we have started this brand new series and it's called We're Not Really Strangers. And if you don't know, we actually ripped this off from a game. It's a card-based game, a question-based game, all about discovering more about the people in your life. Sadly, it's a game in which no one can win. So, is it really a game? That's the question. Highly recommended for a wholesome evening. But last week Rich introduced this whole series saying that we desire connection because we were created for connection. Each and every one of us were created for connection. And we've started this series because we're very aware that connection isn't always easy. We have spent a long time in social isolation. Even before the pandemic, we were already beginning to see a huge decline in people doing things together in teams, in clubs, or group activities, and the problem is that when we're not engaging regularly with others, we feel isolated and lonely. In the digital age, we're all too aware that our multiple social media accounts mean that we're more connected than ever before. But we've heard it before that being connected and being in community are two very different things. We have Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat, Reddit, WhatsApp, and the list continues. Or more, most recently, Be Real. Hands up if you're on Be Real, those early adopters. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll keep that for the 6 p.m. But be real isn't real community. And while we don't have to leave the joys of social media behind, we do have to practice a different way of connecting. Research shows us that 45% of adults in England alone say that they often feel lonely. A study done in 2010 showed us that loneliness living alone, and poor social connections are as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Now, it's easy for us to think that this is just a problem for the next generation, for those obsessed and immersed in social media. But Age UK reported that loneliness in the over 50s has increased by 49% in the last 10 years. That loneliness isn't confined to a social class or a demographic, an age, or a life stage. And I'm sure we've all had times in our life where we have felt moments of loneliness. Maybe even today you walked into church and you were all too aware that you didn't recognize the people around you. Maybe you're preempting the end of the gathering and you're like, who do I even talk to you after this? We all feel moments of loneliness. For me, this hits home, and today is a pretty significant day, because this marks three years of moving to Birmingham. Oh, come on. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Come on. I led worship on the first Sunday here, and now I'm speaking for the first time here, three years later on this day. No, we didn't plan this. This is not like a big, big thing, but the reality is I couldn't have given this talk three years ago. For me, it took a full year before I felt like this was my church. I remember walking in through those doors, it was a 6 p.m. gathering, and it just hit me, I was like, oh, this feels like church, this feels like family, I feel like I have friends. But it took a full year, and I think this series is actually going to release a whole lot of people from feeling the pressure that you've put yourself under. It's only in the past 12 to 18 months have I actually felt established here. I spoke to a young guy who had been coming for a few months, and he felt ashamed that he hadn't made any friends. Because we have loads of workshops and courses on marriages and dating, but we rarely talk about the importance of friendship and what it actually means. There's a disproportionate amount of material on romantic love and not enough on platonic love. Now, that's a problem to solve, not just for those who are struggling to make connections, but for us to solve as a community together. And this morning we're going to unpack God's view on friendship and we're going to see that this is a theme that spans across the whole Bible. And I want to spend a little bit of time unpacking how do we become a community that is marked by healthy life-giving friendships and really focusing in on how do we move from being acquaintances to establishing life-giving friendships with each other. And if you're taking notes, which I encourage you all to do, the title of this message is, Are We Really Friends? And I want to give my reflections, my insights, on what I've been learning and processing as I'm moving towards establishing these life-giving friendships. And just to say, I am a total introvert. I recharge on my own. And for any of you who care, I'm an Enneagram type three. Some of you all know what that means. But basically, I, I love being productive. I love spending my time on projects and completing tasks. But what has changed in me this past year is that instead of me wanting to spend time on projects, I've really craved time with people. Something shifted in me that it caused me to really explore what it means to be fully known, truly seen, and wholly loved. Not just by God, but by people. And we can be so caught up in the busyness of our lives that it often masks our need for deep connection. Sometimes it looks like hiding our need for friendship behind a career path, raising a family, studying for an assignment, or pursuing our dreams. Yet still, deep down, the hunger for friendship calls out to us. We desire it because we were created for it. And I think there's something really profound about friendship because friendship will never force itself on you. It's not like a biological family love or romantic or sexual love. You've still got to deal with your family, you'll still want to have romantic love, and you'll still have the acquaintances and colleagues at work. But friendship won't push itself on you. It takes an incredible amount of intentionally spent time. Because we're in a culture where friendship isn't really celebrated, it's not really attractive. Take Instagram and Facebook. Does anybody know what sort of post gets the highest engagement? Shout it out. Engagements. Newborn babies. (laughs) People getting married. If your social media is dying this morning, get engaged. (laughs) That will bring in the likes. But let's take a look. That's where it all started. Way back in Genesis 2:18, we see that God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And then the very next day, God creates birds in the skies and animals to walk the earth. And God gives Adam what every person who's single thinks that they need. Adam gets a dog. Man's best friend enters the world. But it's quickly established that pets alone won't do. Adam was created for a relationship, and it was impossible for him to have that alone. We see Adam and Eve in the garden, walking with each other and with God. We read about Enoch and Noah walking with God, and walking is this Hebrew metaphor for friendship, but... Then we walked away. And before we even get to the story of redemption and restoration, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit existing together in love. And in an overflow, God creates us, you and me. Made in his image for friendship with himself and one another. When sin entered the world, we know that it dislocated everything. Our friendship with God was broken, our friendship with one another was broken, until along comes Jesus, the great friend of sinners, befriending the marginalized and the oppressed, eating with sinners, socializing with sinners, restoring people back to God. And we see Jesus giving us this example that friendships are a place to love and laugh, a place to change and to cry. The arrival of Jesus shows us that God was committed to restoring friendships, And I think that's what God had in mind when he designed friendship, giving us the space to grow in the context of community, growing together, strengthening each other as we do life together. And so often we walk away from friendship because so much other stuff gets in the way. We think, if I can just get this project out of the way, if I can just get this thing out of the way, then I'll have time to reach out to people. But if you haven't realized it by now, life is busy Your weeks aren't going to get any quieter. Your job isn't going to get any easier. And the pressures of life aren't simply going to disappear. And what I've realized is over the past 18 months is that what makes this seemingly impossible, i.e. getting through the task, getting through the workload, workload, holding on to hope, staying faithful to Jesus, what makes the impossible sustainable, i.e. not burning out, not self-sabotaging, is having godly, life-giving relationships. What I've realized is that I need people, and the people need me. I need people to remind me who I am, to ask me how I am, tell me to pursue the dreams that I've left behind or pushed to the side, to question my motives, to love and to champion me. And people need me to do exactly the same for them, that they've got a space to process, to be encouraged, to know that I've got their back. Luke 6:31 reminds us, as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And so how do we do that? And this morning, as I said, I wanna share a few reflections and practical things on what I have been learning. And if you're taking notes, this is point number one. Friendships are discovered, not created. I was reading uh, C.S. Lewis's book *The Four Loves* as kind of prep for this, where he observes that friendship is rare. He said, "Few value it because few experience it." He says, "This is why people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends that w- is that we should want something else besides friends." And what he's saying is, we can't be friends with someone simply because we want friends. There has to be something that the relationship is based on. And for many of us this morning, it might not be that we need more friends, but we need to discover more about the friends who are already in our lives. We discover friends when we find a common interest, a passion when we share the same truth, acquaintances share a goal, Um, I'm lost, the same task, something that's materialistic, but friendships develop over a common interest, a commitment, a truth, or a cause. For us in this room, it's Jesus. It starts with our faith, our hope, our assurance of a new world. That's what brings us together in a community. That's why we're here this morning. What I've discovered is the more that you show up as yourself and that you're free to embrace the quirks of your personality and interests, the more that you have those, wait what? You too? You love watching Dr. Pimple Popper on YouTube too? (laughs) Or maybe maybe you're not that shallow. Maybe it's like you love to see young people free from mental health. Like those things bring us together. When you find something in common, that's the birthplace of friendship. If you don't do anything, he says, or have any interests, how can we discover friends? Those who have nothing can share nothing. And maybe practically this morning, some of our worlds are just too small. We need to go out and meet other people. And while friendships are discovered, that's not enough. They have to be forged. And my second reflection is that meaningful connection requires meaningful work. Timothy Keller has a brilliant quote on this. It says, everyone says they want community and friendship, but when that means accountability or commitment, people run the other way. James says it in verse or chapter 3, um, sorry, You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. And the truth is that there is no shame in a friendship that takes work that doesn't always come very easily. There is a huge lack of meaningful, intimate, and vulnerable friendships. Because it's uncomfortable and awkward to admit that we have needs. To speak up when you feel overlooked or when you're not fully seen. And we can know everything about someone's job, their holiday plans, the house renovation, but have no idea what God's really doing in their heart. And what I've I've witnessed in my own life is that when friendships got tough, I would just back out. When it seemed like it was dry or I was doing all the work, I'd give up. Instead of wanting to come across as needy, i just disappear. Or when people would reply to my messages, some of you are in this room, <laughs> or didn't seem interested, I would walk away. Maybe that's a little too close to home. Often when it comes with to our insecurities, we, we go looking for the evidence and we build this case rather than doing the hard work of treating each other with dignity and honor. And what has changed in me is that Meaningful connection requires meaningful work. To live with intentionality, to make space for it. Because the reality is, people make space for stuff that they love. If we really want this, we're going to make space for it. So take movies. I absolutely love watching movies. And if a new movie is coming out, it doesn't matter how busy my week is, how many things I got to get through, I'm going to find the time to watch the movie. There was one Sunday night I rushed a whole worship set and communion because I had planned to see a movie after church. <laughs> Shameful, I know. Yet, yet, when it comes to friendships and connections, <laughs> we often try and find a date. And when it's just not convenient to our lives, we say, let's reschedule and it drops away for another month. Maybe we get a better offer or the deadline creeps up. Maybe we get FOMO about missing out on an event, and that quality time together slips away for weeks and months. But if we really learned to love it, and really wanted to love people, we would make space for it. It takes meaningful work. And I love the book of Proverbs, it says so much on friendships. The book of Proverbs is God's wisdom given to Solomon, and I think it shows us three things that are crucial for our friendships. Number one is consistency, connections that stay strong throughout every season, that we need to have weekly withdrawals and monthly moments together. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, a friend loves at all times. Now what it's not saying is that we need to spend all of our time together, thankfully as an introvert, But what it is saying is that we need to be available all the time. In the good times, the ordinary times, the mundane times, and in the bad times. We need friends who can be with us in the highs and lows of life. Who can stand with us in great joy and at the very same time stand with us in great times of sorrow. You can't have a friend if the calendar is always full. You can't have... (laughs) You can't be a friend... If the calendar is always full, if you're not available, Proverbs 18, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, our families don't really have a choice, do they? You're kind of born into it. You don't really get to choose who your brother is or your sister. But a friend is greater because they choose to stay close. We build trust and depth with others through the small mundane moments of life. Those who are consistent in showing up. And for me, like on Monday mornings, I have a friend who lives back in the motherland and we just jump on a FaceTime every Monday morning and it's it's just catching up on life. It's simple, it's ordinary, but we have consistency at the core of our friendship. We share ideas. He encourages me because words of affirmation are not my love language. But it is this rhythm a friend loves at all times. Second one is vulnerability. Not being afraid of people, sharing how we really feel. You need friends you can share every detail of your life with. Rich touched on this last week. Where you can be fully transparent and there's no fear of judgment In order that we are truly seen. And what would be a tragedy is that if we only knew what people did with their hands rather than what was going on in their hearts. Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. And what it's saying is, a sound heart is one in a healthy condition where emotions are under control. And so when we try and hide our weaknesses... Our envy, our jealousy, and the insecurities, what we're doing is we're actually blocking our relationship, not just with God, but with other people. We see this a bit clearer in James 5:16: Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We need to be honest about our insecurities. We need to be able to ask for help. We need a place to process what's going on. And just at the end of last year, I had a friend who I kind of forced my way into his life. It's like, you're pretty cool. I want to be cool. You know, like doing you know those people you just want to be around. And after a while, what I realized is that there was just no consistency. I was feeling a little envy that they had time for others, but not for me. And I started to think, maybe you don't love hanging out as much as I do. That takes vulnerability to say, hey, I don't, feel seen here. It's kind of awkward and uncomfortable, isn't it, to sit down with your mate and say, I don't feel seen here. Like, I'm a grown man. I'm 30 years old. How am I feeling this insecure at 30? But the truth is we don't grow out of the need for connection. Vulnerability strengthens it. Vulnerability prevents us from walking away. And we only forge deep connections when our conversations are heartfelt and they're honest, which brings me to my third one honesty. We need to hear when we've got it wrong. Proverbs 27, 5-6, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now here, a friendly wound is this metaphor for words that your friend needs to hear. They're going to be painful, but we need to hear them. And if you're afraid to get honest and say what really needs to be said, then you're not a friend. The opening metaphor used in this verse is hidden love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. And hidden love is someone who thinks it's loving by choosing not to tell them. You might say, I love them way too much to tell them how it really is. Tim Keller makes the point, really what you're saying is you love yourself way too much. Because when we, it's, it's, what's painful for us is also painful for them. When we share that deep level of connection, what, it, what hurts them hurts us, and so that's why we don't want to do it. And that's why we can't have loads of deep, meaningful friendships. Is because we would just be in pain all the time. Our calendars would be full, and we would be in pain. So it's with a small group of people. Recognize honesty and these things. It'll be hard to hear, but it'll help us grow. And just to say, something's off if your friendship is only a place of encouragement and reassurance. The same is true for a friendship that only brings challenge and critique. We need both. As long as there's balance, there is friendship. We challenge each other, but we do it with grace. And friendship is the only place that you'll find this equal balance. One minute you're sharing your weaknesses, and the next you're identifying the weakness in others. If you're in a conversation and you're answering all the questions and not asking any, that's not friendship. That's pastoral care or counseling. Equal balance. As long as there's balance, there is friendship. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And in 2022, we think that we choose who we are. Culture tells us that we can be whatever we want to be. But the truth is, in the early stages of our life, our family forms us. And in the later stages of life, our friends form us. Friendships shape us. The people you surround yourself with reveal something about your future. Doesn't matter how old you are that will reveal something about your future. So recognize that not every friendship is a healthy friendship. Not every friendship is a life-giving one. Some of them can be a distraction, a hindrance, unhelpful and unhealthy. When we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was available to everyone, journeyed with 12 and had deep relationship with Peter, James and John. And just to summarize these points, um, 2 Timothy 1 to 7 said, the Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people, vulnerability, to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. Okay, my last reflection, point three, is that we need to cultivate connection in every season. Whatever our stage of life, married, single, young, old, we all can and all should be cultivating connection another verse, Acts 2, 44 to 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And as I said, as an introvert, the idea of spending every day with you guys fills me with great stress. I don't want to do it, but all the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they met together, breaking bread in their homes and eating together. And I've had a bit of a revelation on what it means to be a single guy at 30. To 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 embrace this season of singleness, because the cultural pressures say by 30 I should have a wife and kids, that I should have, or I should. Own a home, have a clear career path, and have substantial investments. But I don't have any of that, and even my cryptocurrency is unstable. But what I have realized is that this season is a gift, that I can be more devoted to God in this season. I can spend more of my time and energy on developing these life giving friendships, that singleness can be a gift that allows you to be more devoted to expanding the kingdom of God. I'm not going to spend a season of singleness always searching for a significant other. I've spoken to too many couples to know that I won't find my significance in marriage. Paul talks about it in Corinthians, but Jesus talks about it in Matthew 19, 12. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. And in this translation, the Greek receive means to make room, that we should make space for it. To give our time and our energy to the kingdom of God. That it's actually a gift from God, but our current culture, and particularly Christian culture, is all about dating, setting people up, and praying in wives. And while none of that is wrong, you know, you only have to be around a new married couple to, to know that it introduces great joy into people's life. But at an extreme, what it does is say that marriage equals completeness. That good people get married and bad people don't. John Tyson has an amazing sermon on singleness and identifies a few key passages. Mark 12 tells us there's no marriage in heaven. Mark 3 suggests that Jesus didn't even see the nuclear family as the center of God's kingdom. So I add the even in there just to stress the point. Luke 11 shows that our families on earth are temporary, but God's family, or sorry, but the family of God is eternal. Family is important. It is the foundation, but it doesn't stop there. We need to extend the hand of friendship to single people in our community. And you can say, hey, Michael, you know, you don't have kids. You have extra free time. It's so much easier for you. But Jesus was clear in <laughs> Mark 10, death by overkill. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. And what he's saying, in this time that the ultimate community in the kingdom of God is the church. And there's a responsibility for us to include people into our families, not just once a month, not just to look after the kids when you want a nice night out, but in the natural rhythms of life. I remember a couple who were like a spiritual mother and father to me said, hey, this week the only night we have free is Valentine's Day night. Do you want to come for dinner? I was like, it's a bit weird, (laughs) but... Yeah, go on then, go on. And it wasn't out of pity or it wasn't, they weren't thinking, oh, he's going to be really lonely. They just realized that people needed them and they wanted to bring me into their natural rhythms of life. Such a great night. we did do it all over again. But we, we want to journey with people over the long stretch, enjoying the highs and the lows. not just a quick chat, but actually giving our hearts. We're always going to be busy. There's never going to be a perfect time. And we look at the Sabbath, the Hebrew Sabbath, they would take time to eat meals together. And on this day, they would eat three meals instead of the two. Because that's what the family meal is essentially about. It's about being immersed in relationships. That's why inviting someone over for dinner can essentially fast track your friendship. It brings us back together when our peace separates us. And as I come in to close, I want to be clear because we have hit on so many things this morning. As a single guy who's forming these friendships, do I still have times where I feel lonely? Yes. Do I wish I was further along in the journey? Sometimes, yes. But would I trade this season of life for another? No, I wouldn't. Because this season is a gift. And God has used me in ways I never thought possible. And I've had conversations that I never thought I'd be a part of. All because I've given into this season and said, okay, I know this stuff will come. But I'm going to surrender it to you, Lord. By discovering, forging, and enjoying friendship means I don't have to worry about that other stuff. It'll come. And I've experienced the most beautiful moments of friendship that I've ever experienced in my life over these past two years. And some of you listening today will have this feeling of longing to have these seemingly ideal friendships. And the truth is that so many of us don't have the friendships that we need. And we don't have it because we're not the friends that we should be. We don't have it because we're not the friends we should be. And if our relationship with God isn't causing us to extend the hand of friendship, to other people, then it's likely we're not listening to his voice. When God leads us, he leads us into life giving relationships. It's not good that man should be alone. It's pretty hard to live this stuff out. And so, just a few questions I want to leave you with. You want to take time just to process this to, to ask yourself the questions How easy is it for me to give the gift of emotional vulnerability? How regularly. Am I processing what's going on in my life with others? How often do I offer to pray or fast with my friends? And simply, am I the one who reaches out first? Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastreet.org or follow us on Instagram at gasstreetchurch.